Are you the kind of gal who isn't interested in how things used to be in the hair industry, who wants to hear from ladies who are paving their own way while making waves? Well then, She Makes Waves is for you. So today we have Dawn Bradley on the show. Dawn is a hairstylist based in Calgary, Canada. She was once an overworked, overwhelmed, stressed out hairstylist turned hairstylist business boss. She helps other hairstylists through her classes, online courses, podcasts, business programs, and mentoring. She believes that success doesn't lie in the hustle, but rather in the ability to rock it in their business while still having a life. Dawn, you're singing my tune here. Thanks for being (laughs) on. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah, you're our first Canadian guest. And you know what today is while we're recording? It's actually Canadian Thanksgiving. That's awesome. Well, thanks for booking this on a holiday. Oh, of course. You know, the life of a self-employed person, it's not not really a day off. (laughs) Totally. But yeah, so I've been following you for, I think it was Jamie Dana Mm -hmm. when I was opening my second studio was like, you've got to follow Dawn. Like she's talking about a lot of the stuff that you're, you know, navigating and figuring out. Mm -hmm. And so I know like your story is... Um, one that I've already learned about, but can you tell everyone a little bit about how you came to just this boundaried babe that you are? Oh, I like that boundaried babe. That should be my new handle. Um, Do it. Yeah. So I've been a hairstylist for 18 years. Um, and it was kind of an accidental thing that I felt that I, that I went into not thinking it was going to be a career and then I ended up falling in love with, um, to the point of, you know, so many of us don't feel like it's work. Um, and then in 2010, when I decided to become self-employed that like loving my job got to a whole new level because I not only loved what I did and love my clients, but I got to like have a say over, you know, how the atmosphere of my salon was and the experience for my clients. And I just got to have so much more creativity in the whole start to finish for my clients. And it felt like, uh, like people used to say, you need to have hobbies outside of work. And I was like, no, like work is my hobby. Like this is, this is fun and this is exciting. And I like to like, I, w- I always say I could be a professional brainstormer. Like I love coming up with new, exciting things to do. It's in the routine that I really struggle about four or five years after being self-employed. I, I got to a point where I completely burnt out because I, as much as I love my work and it's my hobby too, it's still work. And I don't know the brain chemistry side of it, but you know, we do need rest and we do need stuff outside of our work to fuel us. Um, and I started throwing my back out. I started, you know, I would do 12 hour days, six days a week at the salon and then I'd get sick and I'd probably call in sick, which calling in sick when you're self-employed is like calling all your clients. Um, and I just started to realize like, I can't keep up at this pace as fun as an exciting as it was in the beginning, that excitement's kind of dimmed. And so I just packed up and moved cities. Um, I'm trying to make a long story really short here. Yeah. <laughs> um, I packed up and moved cities and was like, it's going to be different in Calgary. So I started over here and I was like, people are going to respect my time more. I'm not going to work such long hours. And then it just happened again because the real change wasn't in moving. It needed to, something needed to change inside of me. So it was actually August 30th, 2016 is a night that I'll never forget. Cause Uh, I ended up in the hospital thinking I was dying. I was losing feeling in my arms. I couldn't catch my breath. Uh, I was uncontrollably vomiting every 20 minutes. And it turns out it was just a giant panic attack. 
um, from just pushing myself and having so much anxiety and so much of my self-worth and self-value tied up in the happiness of my clients and realizing that, um, you know, it doesn't matter how much skill and talent I have, you can't make everyone happy. And there's so much more to, to what we do and realizing that like, I need to have boundaries with myself. I need to have boundaries with my clients. I need to learn to communicate better. Cause once again, it doesn't matter how good I am at something. Um, if I don't understand what they want, it, is it a success? So that's kind of in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah. The, it reminds me of a quote that my mom loves that wherever you go, there you are. Mm-hmm. Because I'm with you. Like I have thought at times, like it'd be easy just to move. Totally. You know, and <laughs> but then I did, you did that. Yeah. And, um, there's like so many components to my move, but I remember like people were like, this is career suicide. Like you have a really good salon. You know, I had a home and I just like sold my house, packed up my salon and came to Calgary with no plan. Um, like I was here for two weeks before I was figured, like, I was like, what am I going to do? Am I going to go be an employee? Like, I don't really know. Um, I was like, I got to do something. And then I was like, Oh, I'll rent a chair. And then I'd go into these salons and I'm like, it's not just being my own boss. It's being in control of the environment too. So I ended up just working from the basement of the rental that I was in. And thankfully my landlord let me plumb in a sink at the time. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Like lucky because we, I moved here also because my boyfriend was here and, uh, we didn't, but we didn't rent the house with the thought of me working out of it. So it's weird when I look back at, you know, this huge risk that I took 14 years into my career, just kind of like, Meh, I don't know, something else happened, but my gut was telling me there was bigger and better things out there and there was bigger and better things that I could, I could achieve, um, not just necessarily that it was Calgary, but that I needed to separate myself from, you know, sometimes a change of, of location kind of helps reboot things. But I realized that I needed to also work on myself. It wasn't just the change of location. <laughs> so, so you make the move, you start working on yourself and it didn't happen overnight, but you started kind of working in a direction that just felt more just healthy. Yeah. And it was really, really hard because I'm definitely now a recovering people pleaser. Like I, I I always say in classes and stuff, I teach like deep down, like I'm not even deep down, right, right on the surface. I just want people to like me. That's all I want. And I want to make people happy with me because that discomfort of knowing someone doesn't like me or knowing someone's unhappy with me is so uncomfortable that I want to make sure that I like abandoned myself in the process. You know, if someone was like, I'm not sure about this color, even though it's exactly what they asked for, even though in the consultation I said, you know, I don't know if this is going to work with your complexion. I'd still be like, no problem. Come in, let me fix it. And I'm not saying, I always say to people, like, it's not that I'm saying like draw a really hard, fast line of like what you will and won't do, but be really careful of why you're doing it and what you're, you know, what are the reasons? Like, are you, um, you know, I had, I had one client that reoccurring always came back for a fix that wasn't a fix. And every time in the consultation, I said like, look, I can't get this much lift out of your hair in one appointment. She'd always come back being like, it's not quite bright enough, you know? And then, and then I'd cave being like, instead of saying like, you know, like I told you we can't get this much lift. And of course the fix would get it to the lift because it takes two appointments. Um, yeah. And I did have client, I had a client that I think thought that every appointment she had had a follow-up. Like it was a, like, like a one appointment was like, well then it got to the point where she started saying like, well, I'll just come back in a few days, like, and we'll do like, do the thing. And it was like, time, time, time out, time out. This can't be, this is not how it works. Yeah. 
and and I I don't think I'm always like the favorite person with stylists because I'll I'll lead with that. I'll be like, how frustrating is it to have these people take advantage of you and these people disrespect us? And people are like, yes, like, amen, like whatever. And I was like, (laughs) and then I was like, but you know what the really hard truth is? So we're not respecting ourselves. And that's not the fun, shiny, exciting part of it. Like people, we really want to blame our clients and we really want to be you know, we become resentful and we become angry at how they're treating us. And like, I do so much for them and I can't believe like they're treating me this way, but we've taught them to treat us that way. And, you know, we don't, if we don't stand up for ourselves, nobody else is going to. And that's a really hard, hard realization to have. And not just the realization is hard, but the follow through of if you actually want change to happen. And if you actually want your clients to start treating you differently, it's going to be a really uncomfortable phase of retraining them. Because just like, I don't have kids, but I use this example, which is kind of weird. But um, like if a baby has always been able to like get its mom to hush it, like it, it starts crying and the mom immediately is like, okay, like I'll give you this or I'll give you this. And then the baby can stop crying. The baby learns really quickly. Or I even think of my puppy, like they learn very quickly that they can just like make a noise and you give them what they want. And then if all of a sudden you realize, oh wait, I can't just like give them what they want every time they make a noise it's not that they just like the first time you don't give it to them, they, they go quiet, they get louder. And that's the same with our clients is if we've gotten into this habit or this routine with them where they can do this and we do this. And all of a sudden we realize, no, we need to shift this and we need to recalibrate. And like, otherwise we're headed for burnout that it's not going to, they're just not going to all of a sudden magically be like, Oh, I so respect your time. Thank you so much. You know, (laughs) they're going to be like, what do you mean? You're not going to fix my hair. What do you mean? You know, it's going to be uncomfortable. Right. So it's like, you realize that you're the one you've been waiting for, but then you actually have to to take the step in the kind of the ownership in it to actually change it. Totally. And that's like, so the unsexy part of it. Like we want to be sold like a cool, like a nice neat package of like, this is what you do. And this is what happens immediately. And unfortunately, this work takes time and it's taken me a long time. And that's why I'm now so passionate about helping other stylists is I want, I want to help them before it gets out of hand to where I had to, you know, basically just restart everything. And I had a breakdown and I had to lose a lot of clients just to start over. Yeah. And so that shouldn't scare people. Like some people maybe will, as they start to do this, lose people that don't want to go to someone who's healthy or want to be able to. And I have clients that as I've implemented a lot of the things you're saying that I did lose Mm -hmm. and, and it was okay. But I think that that can be scary. Like I was, I have a therapist and she was saying like, I think for a long time, Lindsay, you just wanted to keep everyone together. Like it made you feel safe. But like, I realized what I was keeping together really didn't work for me, but I was like, no, everyone, we gotta, I gotta keep all my clients. We're a team. We're a family. Yeah. And like realizing that like I had to lose some of those people to get on the right path. Yeah. And some of the people that you'll lose will be the people that you thought were your biggest supporters will be the people that you thought respected you the most, but at the end of the day, we need to remember, and it's real. I feel like I really step on people's toes, but we need to remember that it is a transactional business. And although we feel like we're friends and we feel close, like, you know, if you have, if you have a, I, I used this example last week, like if you have a friend that you go to say for massage and you used to get like this, the full meal deal, and then all of a sudden, sudden things start to change in their business and it doesn't really work for you anymore. Even though you're there, you're kind of your friend. You're like, I'm still paying you for this. I need to go somewhere else. Cause it doesn't work. And not saying that like, you're going to make changes that, um, 
that are not good for your client, but if they had it so good because you didn't have boundaries, they might shift and change and they might be the people that you thought like, you know, you thought that this was a mutual understanding. However, they're still paying you. So, um, we have to walk that line really carefully about, I'm not saying don't become friends with your clients, but remember that they're paying you. And so they do have the right to go. And it, and it's kind of disappointing. Sometimes you think the people that are your biggest cheerleaders sometimes aren't, but the cool thing and the flip side is you'll attract the right people and you'll attract the people who do respect your new systems and policies and your boundaries. Um, and you'll develop really strong bonds with those people. And I think over the last five years that I've been in Calgary, you know, it used to be like, grow your clientele and like, you know, keep them happy and you want to, but it's okay to shed a clientele and build a new one. And I've probably shed my clientele three or four times in the last five years, which is kind of unheard of and crazy. But I think of each new phase I go into, um, you know, I have to, I had to start thinking like, what is my career goals? What's my business plan? And what's the next step where I used to be too scared to take the next step. Cause I was like, I need to keep these people happy. And I forgot about my goals and my dreams and my plans. And I didn't want to move forward in them because I knew like, well, this price increase might lose people or these new hours might lose people. But with each new step, I got new people and I realized, Oh, I developed a really great bond with this person now. Is that, is that making sense? I mean, I think that is like the best thing I've heard, like maybe ever. <laughs> the fact that you said you've lo- you've kind of turned your your clientele over three times. I I've never heard it said like that, but I felt it like in my heart, like wow, like that is so inspiring because I think that like I've never heard it said mm-hmm. that like as you kind of keep changing, mm-hmm. that the people that begin with you aren't going to end with you. That 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 like it, thank you for your part in my journey. Yeah, but on this part of my journey. I'm going to be doing this. And it's so not personal. This is what I need to do to keep growing is who I, who I am and who I'm meant to be in this world. And if that's with you, awesome. Mm -hmm. But if not, like, I really can't be afraid of losing you. Yeah. And my mom used to have this little saying in, in her doorway where it said like a friend, something about like friends are for a time, a season or a reason. And I feel like that applies in everything in life. Like not I don't know. It's weird. Like I've had a lot of personal stuff go on and uh, I went, I had a divorce um, like quite a few years ago. And I think that was like my um, awakening a lot in my life and realizing like, and this sounds really um, like a downer, but, (laughs) but I don't mean it. Like everything has an end, whether like things end because people choose it or things end because people pass, like there is an end or like, you know, like work relationships, like people come and go out of jobs, like people get hired, people get fired, people quit. Like there's always a beginning and end. And so I really apply that to every area of my life of like, not to like be like a skeptic or, or looking at the negative, but just like a realization that like, anytime I bring on a new client, like I'm not going to have this weird expectation that that this could be forever. Um, because forever is not really a thing on this plane of existence or whatever, like whatever people choose to believe. But so like, even when, um, like, like I, like I hire someone to work with me, I'll be like, so if there comes a time where we don't work together or, you know, I'll say to my clients, like if ever there's a point of time where my, the way I work doesn't work for you anymore, that's okay. I never want you to continue to come to me out of expectation or obligation. I want you to know. Yeah, I was going to say expectation is what I just like was hearing and all that. And it is a hard fall on the concrete when you think things last forever. And I had that Mm -hmm. in the last two years when my partnership ended with my first studio. Mm -hmm. 
And I remember being like, what do you mean? We're going to be buried together. Mm -hmm. And, and she very much operated the way that you're saying. And it's taken me like a year and a half at least to get to the place of like, wow, it is such a more free place to live from knowing that like, that things are awesome, but they're going to end and just enjoy them more. Not right. Like, whereas I would be so disappointed, like, like I remember feeling like my expectations weren't managed because I was like, what do you mean? Like, I, I want to pick plots up today. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's a testament to like how, um, our, our type of people of that we all kind of are similar is that we really give away our value, our worth to other people to hold. And so we find those relationships that are, you know, I hate to say it, but like slightly codependent, um, yes. you know, and it's hard to work out of that. Yeah. And I was talking to Elizabeth Faye's episode, um, which will air before yours about how a lot of times, like I was saying, like, now I'm feeling like I can just do people's hair and it's enough and that I don't have to find them a dog walker and I don't have to have them (laughs) integrate their, their stepson into their family. And, and she talked about how that's us trying to be like, see, I'm worth it. I'm worth it. My prices are worth it. Look at me. Like I helped you talk to your estranged son today on a FaceTime call. It's like, it's enough. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Totally. And like, yeah, we, we fear that we're not enough. Right. Or we think that there, that our skill and our talent and our service isn't worth the price that we have to do other things to make it worth the price because how can we by ourselves be enough? Yeah. Isn't that? Yeah. Cause like my therapist was like, you know, doing great hair is, is awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And it's, and no one teaches you that in school. No. And it's funny how these, like, there's a very common thread amongst us as hairstylists. And I don't know if, if you've ever come across this, but I've found that a lot of hairstylists always were like, you know, it's either hairstyling or I wanted to be a police officer. I've met so many hairstylists that have said that. And I thought it's fascinating. Yeah. Cause I'm like, what's the common thread and it's helping people. Right. I, I think yeah. that's my assumption, but I was like, that's a really interesting intersection of like, it was either police officer or hairstylist. I've never heard that, but I feel like we would, we would be great police officers. Yeah. Although we'd be like, you can go this time. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't mean to have that gun. And I know that. I know that. I know so, you're a good person. Just give it to me and I'll take it in. And this never happened. Yeah. That is so funny. Promise me you'll do better next time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So many ways we would need to have like co-pilots. We can't be in those squad cars alone. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, so I talk about what you said a, a lot about how some people operate under the mentality of the assumption that it never hurts to ask. Right. Because us as people pleasers, um, and people who want to just make other people happy and we find our value and worth in other people being satisfied that we think that the only answer to a question is yes. And so we go like, how dare she ask me to work on my day off? How dare she ask me to stay late? Like, doesn't she know that I have this? And it's like, wait a minute, like you had all the power to answer no to that request. And there's like, obviously times where people, you know, can like put pressure or guilt trips on, but we truly, we truly hold the power in the answer. And we need to be comfortable that no is a one word sentence. And just as much as we can answer something with yes, we can answer something with no, but we need to learn to be 
to sit in that discomfort of that couple seconds of silence. Yeah. Brene Brown says that, like, instead of when you see someone and they're like, let's get together. And like, you don't really want to, you don't have to be like, yeah, dinners always sound good to me. Yeah. Just like, let it be awkward for a minute. Yeah. And you know what the sad thing is, and and the hard part is, is since I've gotten better at doing that, I feel a lot happier with myself, but my social circle has gotten smaller. (laughs) Yes, I know. One of my friends sent me this quote and it said, I rather have four quarters than a hundred pennies. And I think like that goes for clients, that goes for friends. Like you rather like it equals the same, but like I think for a long time, like I operated from a quantity versus quality standpoint. Totally. Yeah. And and that whole whole knowing that like I was probably on good terms with this person and I could make this person happy. And that's part of what led to my burnout is that I was constantly like doing things that instead of saying no, because I need to be at home and rest, I was like saying yes to going to these events or these things because I felt I had some weird obligation on myself to do it. But when you've done that and people know that, and they know that's your pattern, when I've started to say no and like, thank you so much for the invite, but I'm going to pass this time or, you know, like, oh, you're in town, but unfortunately I've got, you know, a lot going on and I'm not going to be able to see you. Um, it's hard because people don't understand. And if people are in the same position that you were, like if people don't have that, if they don't have the aha the same time as you and they're a people pleaser, they're going to have expectation and obligation with their question. And so when, even though you shouldn't feel that expectation and obligation to say yes, there are some people that do expect the yes, which is the hard thing. Yeah. And and do you think that one of the hard parts for hairstylists is that a lot of times the things someone's asking of them, they wouldn't ask of someone else. So like, cause like a lot of times I'm like, well, I would never ask someone like, Hey, but like, and then I think to myself, well, how many times have I said, well, what do you have on Thursdays? And the person doesn't actually work Thursdays and they just feel like what I'm saying is a statement as opposed to just, mm-hmm. I don't know, do you work Thursdays? And you just kind of like, you see things from a different totally. perspective of like, do you think, but do you think that hairstylists like in general are just like, cause they're empathetic or what do you think it is that they're like, they struggle. I feel like more than in like, I have clients that are like, well, like an interior designer is like, well, when your slots are filled, they're filled. And it's like, it's just not that simple for hairstylists. Cause they don't, we, we're like, wow. Like what a thought. Right? Like, Oh, I'm going to stick to my schedule. I think this is my, my theory is that we don't have any formal business training. We don't have, and now with the rise of like salon suites and things like that, it's like, it's very enticing to be able to be in control creatively of what we do, but we're not getting set up with the proper systems and policies to, have a long-term profitable and sustainable business. And so we go into it with this fear of like, oh my goodness, like we have this false sense of like working at a salon means we have a full clientele and you're kind of collecting a paycheck and it feels safer. Although it's not really any different because your clients could all leave you Mm -hmm. at a salon as well. Um, so we go into being self-employed and we think, oh my goodness, what if it all dries up? What if next month nobody books in? And so I need to stockpile. I need to say yes to everything because what if, you know, that fear of like, I'm, it's me now I'm relying on me. And I'm just speaking from my own experience, but I was like, I can't say no, I need to fit everyone in because what if I have a bad month? 
what if? And then all of a sudden there is no bad months and I'm just like constantly working like crazy. Um, but that, that's where my teaching now is I'm really passionate about is helping hairstylists, you know, know how to set up things in the beginning. So they don't get to the point where I was, where they have to go and try to redo it, recalibrate it, create new habits that clients don't understand. And I think also in our profession, we haven't been taught to have a really professional client, um, hairstylist relationship and it kind of gets the lines get really blurred and not necessarily in a bad way once again but we forget we treat them like friends because they feel like friends they stroke our egos they tell us how amazing we are they tell us like the most intimate details of their lives and we forget that we still even though you know a therapist knows the most um, intimate details of our lives but they're they still have strong boundaries about work and we need to kind of work more on that that plane does that make sense Totally. And I was thinking about how, when you work for yourself, like I thought of like how no one's going to say thank you for a favor. They didn't know you did. Totally. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So can you talk about that for a minute? Yeah. No one's going to say thank you for a favor. They didn't know they get total. So I always say like, I I recently was talking about how uh, price increases, And saying like, if you want to grandfather people in and not raise their price, that's cool. But make sure that they know because it's one of my IGTVs. Um, And I say like, like, it's cool if you don't want to rate, you know, if you want to honor a price because someone's been with you for a long time. But I believe it's really important to say, hey, FYI, my prices are going up, but I'm going to honor this price for you because I really appreciate having you in. And then they know, because if you don't, and it, you know, accumulates over the years and you keep this person's price the same, but like you've raised your prices every year for the last five years, and all of a sudden you're starting to feel bitter, starting to feel frustrated because this person has like a three hour appointment and you know, it takes you this long. You could, you, you start to realize how much money you could be making and you have new clients that can't get in that want to pay your new prices. And you start to resent this person and be like, I can't believe they don't even appreciate what they're getting, but they actually have no idea. And so we need to educate people in, I always say, kind, compassionate, empathetic ways. We need to educate them on what's going on so they're aware of what the, the gift that we're giving them. And if the gift that we're giving them, if we're not like, I'm using the example of not raising someone's prices because you want to grandfather them right. in. Um, if you're doing that because you truly value them, that's wonderful. That's a beautiful thing. I think that's a great way to say thank you. But if you're doing it to avoid discomfort of a conversation, maybe rethink it. And know that like this February, I, I raised my prices significantly and I lost like half of my clientele, but that kind of was not the plan, but I knew it was going to shed a lot of people and it was very uncomfortable, very, but now it's October. I was like, what month are we in? I don't even know. And it's okay. That discomfort, it was uncomfortable for a while of having to have conversations. And some of the people that I thought were going to be the most understanding, I've kind of gone off on a tangent here. Sorry. I love it. I love it. (laughs) Some of the people that I thought were going to be the most understanding uh, were the least. And some of the people that I thought I was going to lose because I knew that, you know, maybe didn't fit in their, their beauty budget anymore. They were like, oh, Don, it's not a thing. Don't worry about it. And so we think so much with other people, we, we assume what other people are going to react and respond and we want to keep the peace. We want to keep, we don't want to feel that uncomfortableness. And that's why also another tangent, so many hairstylists struggle with educating their clients on tools and products because they are, and I say educating them on it because I don't believe we're to sell it to them. I think we can educate it and they can, you know, and then we give them the opportunity to buy. 
people don't right. think that way. They think, oh, I'm pushing something. I don't want to have this. Unco- I don't want my client. I don't want to feel we're because we're empathetic people. I don't want to feel that discomfort of them not wanting it, not knowing what to say. So how did how did it show up the the uncomfortable conversations with your latest increase? Like how did it show up in your business with the person that wasn't understanding or with the person that really was? Like how did it how did it manifest? Yeah. So <clears throat> what I did is I sent out an email initially, and then I chose to have it posted in my salon, and I I also chose to have a conversation with each client because I think what happens is we do we do the most um, unconfrontational way to try and ease our discomfort. And what we actually end up doing is upsetting people more. If we just had a conversation, you know, if you're, if you went to get a service with someone and they emailed you and maybe you didn't see the email or maybe you did and you're like, okay, cool. And then you go in for your appointment and nothing's acknowledged. It feels weird. And then they go up, you go up to the till and you're like, uh, like it's kind of this, you can feel the, the tension. And so I chose to like come in at every angle. I don't know if people are going to see their emails. I want to make sure that I have a face-to-face conversation to let them know I appreciate them. Um, and you know, some people didn't fully read the email. And so they just kind of saw what they wanted to see and get upset over it. Um, you know, I even said in the email, like, I understand this might mean you're looking for another hairstylist. And, and if that's um, the case, I'm happy to refer you to people and give them your formulas. Um, but I got some nasty emails. I also put new boundaries in where like my clients don't have direct access to me. They need to email my admin person. Um, and that wasn't taken very well either. And, you know, these are things that I had to put into my business so that I could take the next steps of growth. And they're hard when they've had that direct, it's hard when you've had that direct access. Um, and, and I'm a firm believer and I don't think we should be texting and DMing with our clients, but I know that's hard to undo with a lot. Um, so yeah, I, it was, it broke my heart to see some people really upset at me. Um, because I wanted to defend what I was doing and I wanted to have a, com- a constructive conversation, but they were just shut down to it. But then there was some clients that I was, I, I had, I distinctly remember one that sat in my chair and her name was Brenda. And it's funny cause I used the name, Bre- there was another, this is actually like a, a wonderful client that I love. But then there was like another Brenda that I'm like, I, I use that in IGTV and I was like, I hope like good Brenda doesn't think this is about her. Um, you just talk yeah. to her about it. Yeah. Let her know. So good Brenda. She sat in my chair and I was nervous because I was like, I don't know if like, I really love her, but I was making assumptions about what she would and wouldn't pay. Um, and she's like, oh, Don, don't worry. It's not a thing. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. Huh. Interesting. So I assumed, and I, once again, like that's, that's the tough thing is like, we can't assume we can't make, we can't you know, draw conclusions for other people. All I can do is be like, Hey, I don't know if you saw the email, but I just want to make sure we had a face-to-face conversation about the changes that are happening in my business. Now, no, I'm making these changes to help further my career, my business. This is not something that I'm trying to do to hurt you or discourage you or to make things harder for you. If this doesn't work for you, I understand. And you know, I'll be sad not to see you anymore, but I don't want you to feel like there's an expectation or obligation if this doesn't, if this no longer works for you. Know that I wish you well, and I would love to see you out and about, um, but, but I just want to let you be aware of the changes and the shifts that are happening. Well, yeah, because if you think about it, like we can't expect our clients' situations to stay the same. Like when someone goes through a divorce or goes through something and can't see us, we totally understand that. So then why do we mm-hmm. feel like we have to stay the same? Like, it's just so on, it's such an unreal, like, totally. realistic expectation that yeah. we kind of put on ourselves. And you think of anything else, like 
you're the, the energy companies aren't being like, sorry, I know you probably can't handle a higher energy bill this year. So we're not going to raise the prices. It's like, that's not how the economy works. And yet people don't raise their prices. And even to the point, I remember getting a nasty email from a client saying like, I can't believe Dawn's giving herself a raise in this economy when the rest of us aren't getting raises. And, you know, I wanted to defend myself and, but I realized like people just don't under, people sometimes who are employee situations don't understand business where I wasn't raising my prices to make more money. I was raising my prices to keep my margins the same because all my costs went up for the year. Exactly. And so I think hairstylists forget about the costs and they don't want to deal with the business because it's just fun and creative work. But then they, they start to actually give themselves a, a decrease in pay because their color costs are going up. Their rent is going up. Their water bill is going up. And yet their prices are staying the same. Right. And I don't call AT&T and say, what the heck? My, my bill went yeah. up $10. Like, I don't do that. I look at it and I go, mm-hmm. that's yeah. life. But because we've had this weird, especially with technology, I feel like now with like DMing and texting with our clients, there's this weird confusion of like accessibility and, um, and availability and, you know, like, but like we're friends, like we follow each other on social media and I have like this really strong boundary where I don't follow clients on social media and it's because I used to. And then it's a bummer when you follow them and all of a sudden you see their new hair somewhere else and you're like, Oh, and I was like, I can't see that. I need to remember that as much as I love these people and I feel like friends with them, I need to keep it professional. And then if I choose, I really think really thoroughly whether or not I'm going to become friends with a client. Um, and I never used to really think about it. I just like considered them all my friends. Um, right. now I can be friendly with right. them and we can be close, but there are boundaries between work. And so if I'm going to become friends with a client, if they're going to get my number, I have this like 15 minute conversation with them. <laughs> Feels excessive, but I'm like, I just want you to know. And I want to set up proper things. Cause I don't want to get frustrated because I didn't communicate clearly enough with you. And I own that. I'm like, it's not that I'm frustrated with you for doing things that, that you shouldn't be. It's that I'll be frustrated with myself that I didn't communicate clearly enough with you. So I want you to know that this is my number and you can text me if you want to hang out, but if you have anything work related, you're going to need to do it this way, this way, this way. Yeah. And the people you want to keep, they, they totally get that. Like I have said that to people and I think it's funny. You kind of say to the people, you know, will handle it well mm-hmm. back to what we were saying, but like those people are like, they totally get it. They're like, they'll, they'll email me with, with hair related stuff and then text me and be like, Hey, I saw my Pilates instructor and he said that so-and-so had their baby and you want to know, but I know that, that they've only text me when they know it's yeah. for the appropriate things because, and I, I feel like I had to get over the fact that people kind of would be like, well, I know you're weird about your phone. And it's like, I'm not weird about my phone. I just, just don't want to work. And I wish that my phone, I was saying, I wish I had a thing that came through to people that says this phone number does not accept text messages because I just think it would be, again, I wouldn't have to set the boundary. I'd be like, I'm sorry, my iPhone, like I've decided I would own the fact that I don't like want to get text messages. Mm -hmm. I just really don't Mm -hmm. like getting, I agree. I wish, I wish there was an auto responder on texts. Yeah, that just was like, thank you so much for reaching out to Lindsay. She does not accept any text messages because she's trying to have a work-life balance and live her best life. Thank you so much and goodbye. Yeah, I know because there's no way to like respond to, like with voicemail, you can, even at the salon, I have it so people can't leave a voicemail. They get a message being like, hey, thanks so much for calling the salon. Uh, We're unable to get to the phone right now. Your best, you know, the, the best other alternative would be to email us here. 
and then it doesn't give it like we've turned off the voicemail because we don't need to be checking email and voicemail and this and this and this and some people really don't like it that don't use email and I'm like unfortunately this is the way I do business so you know, if it doesn't work for you, I understand. And that's like the really interesting thing is because totally. I feel like our parents generation, I was reading this customer service book from the early nineties. And cause I thought, Oh, this will be really good. My dad used this back in the day. And I started reading it and I was like, I disagree <laughs> with everything. It was basically saying like, there's this guy that owns some like suit store in, in New York. And he's like, if someone calls you up at four or 6 PM on Christmas Eve and needs a suit, like you go in and you help them. And like, basically like no boundaries. Like if you're at dinner with your family, like you go and this is your business, this is your livelihood. And I'm like, I think that's how it used to operate. And then our generation is shifting that. But if we have clients that are, that are part of that generation and that school of thought for business, they really struggle with it. Like, I had someone once um, text me saying um, she wanted to book an appointment with me. She got my number from a client, which was frustrating. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and um, I was like, okay, great. Like I only, I said, I only do online booking. So you'll need to go. Here's the link, like setting it, setting her up for success. And she's like, oh, okay, I'm from out of town and I don't have a computer. She's texting me this and it's in blue. So I know she has an iPhone. <laughs> And I'm like, you have a smartphone. Like, don't tell me that you can't book online. Um, but I just stopped responding. And I'm like, you know, she probably thinks I'm, she, I think it's funny when people are like, well, they just lost my business. Like I would have seen them. Yeah, um, and there's this entitlement in some, uh, I don't want to say clients, but there's an entitlement in some people thinking like, you're a small business person. You need the business. You need me. Like I'm doing you a favor and realizing like there is a point where we do need to say yes to things that maybe we don't want to, but we can respect ourselves in the process. And so I, I recently had a, uh, a free online class called the five pillars of a successful hairstylist. And one of the things I talk about, um, is like clients, who say they love to support small business. Um, you know, like I love going to people's, you know, supporting home-based businesses and small businesses. I love it. What they really like to do is take advantage of them. And so it's our, you know, it's frustrating and we want to hate yeah. on them and we want to be upset with them, but we need to remember that we hold the power and we hold the responsibility of like, we teach people how to treat us. Yeah. And I heard someone say, I don't know if it was you or someone else that said, um, when we have, maybe it was Nina Kovner from Passion Square, but when we have a client, it was kind of everything you're saying where when we have a client who's like lost a job or is going through a hard mm -hmm. time, which we all go through and don't change our pricing. But when, when they come in with that, like, we're like, Oh, like I feel bad that they're having to pay that. But like when your life's like that, they don't pay you more. And that's why I say like, like a weird, we need to remember that it's, it's, it's still a transactional business thing. Yeah. I'm just looking up a quote that yeah. I posted being like, uh, oh, what was it? It's about like your, oh, does your doctor, lawyer or therapist give you a discount when you, when they hear you've had a bad day? And then why do you? Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. I think I, that spoke to me. I remember seeing yeah. that. Yeah. So what would you leave people with if you were going to leave them with one piece of advice for starting to implement kind of like the journey you've been on, like something that you think would be like just like a helpful takeaway. Woo wooey and motivational as it sound, I think just really start doing the work to know that you're worth it, to know that you're enough to do it, that you 
you can, and you're valuable enough and you're allowed to, you have like, if you, if someone's waiting for permission, I'm giving it to them right now. You can make these changes. I know there's somebody out there that's thinking, but like, Don, you don't know my situation. Um, I get it. And I, I know that mentality, but know that like the things that you want to do and the business and the life that you want to create, you are absolutely capable of it. You just need to start believing that you actually are. Oh my God. I could, I always say like, I could give everyone the steps and the tools, but if you don't actually think that you're capable of it, or you don't think you're worthy of it, or you've made up in your mind already that it's not going to work, then a hundred percent it won't. Like I always say like, prove me wrong, just try and prove me wrong. But if you've made up your mind before you even try that it's not going to work, then a hundred percent it won't. Um, and I have this quote that I say, like our beliefs are like a compass and we head in the direction of what we believe is possible. So if you're like, I'm going to put these things into place, but you really believe that, you know, and they're like over here on the left, but you believe that like, it's not possible, then unconsciously you're going to head in the direction of making sure it's not possible. But if you actually could be possible, you're going to take steps and you're going to trust that things can work out. But I think a lot of times, so many of us, um, you know, we want to prove that it's not going to work so that we have an excuse. Yeah. It feels safe. It's the known you're, you're comfortable being uncomfortable every day, but you won't like, yeah, I think that that's great advice. So if someone wants to like be a part of your program or take one of your courses, where can they find you? So, um, my website is donbradley.com and there are, I have multiple free resources for business and stuff that people can find on there. Um, that if they want to like go and download, I have, um, you know, raise your prices, not your anxiety. It's a email template for how to let your clients know that your prices are changing. Um, I have a client attraction playbook teaching people how to build their clientele, uh, quickly. I have lots of things like that. So I would love for people, you know, I want to be able to just help people avoid what I went through. So donbradley.com. Um, but you can find me on Instagram at, at donbradleyhair. Um, and I come out with weekly IGTVs, um, and that sort of stuff. And I have a podcast too, but it's on hiatus at the moment. You got to take breaks. And this, this oh, gal yeah. is going to take a break in the new year. So <laughs> good. Good for you. Yeah. I realize like <laughs> I want to do and be it all, but I need to pace myself. And so, um, I, I miss it and I'm excited to come back, but I have some really awesome episodes. Uh, I have one episode all about boundaries. If people want to, I listened to that one and I loved it. Oh good. Yeah. It's my most listened to one. So I'm excited to come back with it and uh, have more to do, but I love that podcast episodes are just there for people to go and listen to too. Yeah. When they're ready and want the knowledge. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for being on. And uh, I know that people are going to get a lot out of your episode. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast. 